It's finally here. Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast. I am your host, Dan Mangana, which you should know because this is my show. If it's the first time here, then I'm going to look into the future, say what an amazing episode this was and how much fun you had listening to it and encourage you to just get ahead of the game now and subscribe and all the things. Cool. So my guest today is a crazy mamacita who's just gone on with this <laughs> wacky adventure, completely uprooted and moved to another, another country. Um, I was a guest on her podcast and I had an amazing time just sharing my story. I'm going to put my link to that in the show notes. Uh, you want to check it out, subscribe, all the things, looking into the future again, you're going to love it. I'm going to shut up now and allow Claire to introduce herself and tell you who she is and what she does. Then we're going to get into one of the many beautiful stories going on in her life and that have been on in her life and how she's going to inspire you once again, look into the future. So I'm going to stop waffling. Say hello, Claire. Hi, everyone. My name is Claire Rogers. The first thing I'm going to say to your your listeners is I need to explain the dodgy accent. It throws people off. And what's going to happen? They're not going to listen to this episode because the whole time they're going to try and figure out where I'm from. So let's just tackle that from the get go. I got a dodgy accent. So I was born in Portsmouth, England to mm -hmm. English parents. They immigrated to Vancouver, Canada when I was three months old. And so I was raised in Canada to uh, an English father who didn't want me to sound Canadian or American. He wanted me to sound English. And so I was forever correcting, corrected as a kid. It's not water, it's water. Don't say what, don't say what, say pardon. Uh, so I didn't, but then obviously went to school and you learn from kids as well. So I don't sound Canadian and I don't sound British. I'm kind of like a mid-Atlantic thing happening. But, uh, in 2000, I moved back to London, England from living in Canada. So that's who I am in mm -hmm. terms of accent. And then what I do for a living is I'm actually a mindset coach. But prior to that, I was in corporate life for 20 years where I worked really hard and I climbed the corporate ladder to build a career that I did not love. Oh. <laughs> All in the name of getting ahead. All in the name of getting ahead. Ah, so we've it. got um, a multidimensional accent yeah. <laughs> a ping pong journey to and from yeah. from and back to the UK. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of borrowed access to Canada to move somewhere else, didn't you? Yes. yes. <laughs> so I'm now living in Palm Springs, California, as of uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, and and loving life. Yeah. Um, so people come on a lot, right? or even other podcasts I listen to and they're like, yeah, I was in corporate and then I left corporate and now I'm a, I'm a coach. But you didn't just wake up one morning and say you wanted to be a coach. There was a series of events that kind of said, Hey dude, maybe try something else. Why don't we speak to that a little bit? Because I think there's, there's some real magic in that uh, part of your journey. Absolutely. So I'm going to give you a Reader's Digest version. Dun, dun, dun. I believe that we get signs from God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. And if you don't listen the first time, they'll whack you over the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> I get the sign. So, yeah. first time around. so uh, in 2013, I was a director for a, uh, an American Fortune 100 company, making six figures, lots of money. From the external perspective, it looked like I'd made it. Lived in West London, beautiful house, a Porsche, lots of you know cool shoes and handbags, married. Things look great. Mm -hmm. That job came at a price. You don't get that kind of money with <laughs> about with papers all day long. Right? <laughs> $3 billion a year sales target. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I had a team working for me across various countries, and I was working on a contract. It was $1.5 billion that mm-hmm. I had to retain this, this account. So for about seven or eight months, I had been working 12, 15 hours a day trying to get this contract over the line. I, it was very, very hard work. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating properly. I was addicted to caffeine and sugar and literally addicted to my BlackBerry because mm-hmm. I was determined that I have to win this account if I want to get my bonus next year, if I want my staff to get my bonus. And so I was living a life of autopilot mode. Mm-hmm. I take two weeks vacation in August. I go back to Canada and I actually went to Alberta. It's not where I'm from. I'm from Vancouver, but I went to Banff. I love the mountains. And I'm with my um, ex-husband at the time mm-hmm. and hiking one day and we do a 15 kilometer hike and I'm very animal aware. Growing up in Canada, we know to look for the animal, the bear scat, which is uh, bear poop. We know mm-hmm. for the food and so forth. So anyway, we're doing this hike and I'm, I'm looking at my surroundings. I'm watching out to see where any potential animals could be. I've got bear bells with me that's jingling away to kind of scare animals off. The end of the 15 kilometers, it's a great hike. We've had a fantastic time. It says, if you turn to your left and you walk two kilometers, there's this amazing waterfall. If you turn to your right, it's 1.5 kilometers back into Banff. I want to see a waterfall. Yeah. (laughs) We go towards a waterfall. We bump into another couple. And so now we're walking along and there's a, a guy in front of my husband. There's my husband, there's me, and then there's the other girl. And it's become single track. Mm-hmm. And we're just chatting away and I'm shaking my bear bells mm-hmm. away. Well, the bear never got the memo that I've got bear bells because we come walking around this corner and a 380 kilo grizzly bear charges us. Charges you? So, like, boom, 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 boom. And I know it's a grizzly because it's got a massive hump on its, on its neck. Mm-hmm. But the guy in front of my husband has gone. He's practically back in Banff. Right? <laughs> his girlfriend is gone. I don't even know where they are. My husband' instinct, primal instinct, is to run. And it's really weird. Within like a fifteen-second window in my head, I remember like remembering the nursery rhymes I was taught as a kid uh, in school about animals: brown, as in brown bear; brown, stand your ground; black, as in black bear, fight back. And I'm like, grizzly bear, grizzly bear. What are you supposed to do with a grizzly? The bear camera wants to do, but my instinct is grab my husband, don't run because if we run, we're dead. So mm-hmm. I grab him, he's now facing the opposite direction. I'm staring down the bear mm-hmm. and I start talking to the bear. That's my instinct, honey. I'm not mm-hmm. here to hurt you. I'm just slowly back away. I'm trying to like r- lower the energy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I know. But that's my instinct. My instinct is not lay down and play dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I start talking to the to the bear saying, honey, you know, we're not here to hurt you. And we slowly, slowly back away. And he mock charged me again. By this point, he's now 10 meters away and I can feel the breath. Mm-hmm. And so again, honey, let me go. Let me go. Long mm-hmm. story short, we survived. You would so think he, he stopped charging. What happened? You can't leave your, you can't leave your the clip. Stopped. And so as soon as we got like, I don't know, 15, 20 meters away, I said to my husband, we need to book it. And so we ran as fast as we could. And I said to my husband, I need to go and find a forest ranger and I need to report this because we're on a trail and I don't even want to think about little kids with their kids. parents. Mm-hmm. They run in front. Like, I don't even want to think what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I get the forest ranger and the forest ranger says, okay, will you come back up on the trail with me to go find the bear? So do you have a gun? 
no, don't have a gun. We're not allowed to have guns in Alberta. We're not allowed to shoot the animals. I was like, okay, well, I'm good. I'm going to wait here. He's, <laughs> <laughs> He's up there. He's like, will mm-hmm. you wait for me? So I waited. And he came back and he goes, okay, I found the grizzly bear. Uh, I'll tranquilize him and, and so forth, get him off the tail, et cetera. I said, you know, I don't understand why the bear didn't run away. I had the bear bells. We were making noise. Mm-hmm. He, said, he said, Claire, he didn't run away because he had just killed a black bear and he was eating it. And you were like the ice cream man coming with dessert. You were going to, you know. <laughs> so he, he ate another bear. Yeah. And so he's pre- he was protecting his dinner. We come along. He didn't appreciate us coming along. He thought we were going to take his bear. I didn't know that bears ate other bears. I didn't know it either, but he's a badass bear. So you would think, long story short, where I'm going with this, you would think that that would give me a wake up call mm-hmm. to appreciate life. And it did maybe for two days, three days. And then I'm <laughs> my husband impacted him quite a bit because he's from the UK, like you. So you're not used to having, you know, the worst thing no, even no. badger. Right. So, Even that. <laughs> he was really appreciative to life, but I kind of shook it off after a few days. 30 days from the date of the grizzly bear mock charging me is 30 days later, I win that contract, $1.5 billion. <laughs> and you'd think I would be happy. You'd think I'd be I remember sitting in my home office. The client was in New York, faxes through the contract, signed on the dotted line. And I got a pit in my stomach saying something's wrong. Like I, I, I could, there's no way that me, this chick here could have pulled off this contract. I had a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way I've pulled this off. So I print the 90 page contract and I sit at three o'clock in the morning, red pen and ruler to make sure I've not screwed up somewhere. No, I did it perfectly. <laughs> I went to bed, but I still had a sense of foreboding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still had a sense of foreboding, like something was wrong. And the next day I woke up and I started having chronic, chronic panic attacks for 18 months. Wow. For 18 so you, months. So you did everything right. You worked hard. You got it done. Everything's correct. And at the point of victory, the panic attacks are in. Yeah, for 18 months. Now, I don't know if you or any of your listeners have had a panic attack, but mm-hmm, it's the mm-hmm. worst feeling in the entire yeah, world. They don't point out. It feels like you're going to die. Yeah. For me, everybody gets different symptoms, but for me, it felt like someone had put an elastic band around my chest and was slowly squeezing the life out of me. Mm-hmm. And I can, because I'm a small frame, I could see my heart pounding out of my chest all the time. And mm-hmm. I developed what I call a fear, developing a fear of fear itself, because I never knew when the panic attacks were going to arrive mm-hmm. or when it was going to happen. I developed what I call what if disease. What mm-hmm. if I have it on London Underground? What if I have it in Tesco's, the grocery store? What if I have it here? What if I have it there? And mm-hmm. so I perpetually was living in a state of chronic fear. Hmm. And that is when I started questioning the life I was living because externally I've made it in life. I've done everything mm-hmm. I was supposed to do. I went to college, I climbed the corporate ladder, I made the money. But something was clearly wrong if externally I'm successful, but internally I'm living in a private world of hell. And I didn't tell anybody what I was going through because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And I thought, what right do I have to be going through this mental health challenge? Because there's rape, there's war, there's genocide, there's homelessness. I'm I'm sitting pretty. I'm unworthy of my challenge. Mm -hmm. And so that's 
I basically, a long story short, I went through 18 months of panic attacks that then turned into depression because now I think I've officially lost the plot and I think mm -hmm. I'm going to constantly feel like this. I then sunk into a deep depression, again, hiding it. I'm smiling. Mm -hmm. Smiling depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm smiling to the world, pretending everything's great. I didn't ask for help. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to a doctor because I didn't want to get signed off work. I didn't want to be put on medicine. And so I white knuckled it until I realized that wasn't going to work for mm -hmm. me. And so then what I did is I thought, okay, we need to work on what's going on here. And I spent the next 18 months, I read about 300 books mm -hmm. on mindset, neuroscience, psychology, philosophy, spirituality, everything in between. And I rebuilt myself. Mm. And that's when I realized, I believe I went through this crisis per se, because I was not living my life of purpose. Mm -hmm. And so the first wake up call was probably the bear. Like, Hello, yeah, yeah. I didn't listen let, to let you survive a, a deathly yeah, bear attack. Exactly. And so, and then I had to go through that private world of hell to realize that all of that external stuff mm. for me anyway, did not fulfill my soul. And so mm -hmm. I believe that's why I became sick. And mm -hmm. then that's why I quit corporate life in 2016. And two days after I quit corporate life, I had to work four months notice period. Two days afterwards, I read in the Financial Times that one in every three or one in every four people suffer from a mental health challenge. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I've done a huge disservice here by not talking about it, what I went through. I'm not on the side now, mm -hmm. but I've done a huge disservice by not telling my staff or anybody, because if it's one in every three and one in every four, that means my staff, off your team. Mm -hmm. and my boss, boss, my clients, my, you know, my friends. Mm -hmm. And I then started giving keynote speeches on it. And the first speech I did was in front of a thousand people. I mean, why start small, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, if we're going to ruin the career, like, let's just knock it out of the park well, right I, 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 somehow i can't see you doing something by halves anyway so the fact yeah. that you start you start up the ladder doesn't yeah. actually surprise yeah. me exactly and it was actually the client that i had won the 1.5 billion dollar contract was the one that hired me to speak about it and it was in front of a thousand people and i thought oh, you're never going to work in corporate life again if you admit this mm. and it resonated because people were like wow if she can go through that because i take people on a journey i take mm -hmm. them down and then up again if she mm -hmm. can go through that I can get through it too. And then mm. from there, I started getting coaching clients. And okay. to just speak your truth. Yeah. And plod along and then it all, all comes together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for not being eaten by the bear. Yes. Um, <laughs> Part of me wouldn't have been offended though. Part of me is like, it's kind of a good way to go out, but hey. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'd like to go out big, mauled to death by a big animal. Well, I guess what I'm saying is I would realize it's not personal. It's not personal. <laughs> yeah, it's not personal. <laughs> it's like, hey, you think I'm looking delicious? Yeah. I'll take that accolade. <laughs> I can do some dessert. <laughs> <laughs> so it, but that wasn't the end of your evolution, was it, for you? No. Because no. I can imagine, because um, I saw this myself when I came out on the, on the other end, of my story that I spoke about with you, um, the, the woman who'd been with me through all of my stuff, literally, yeah. as I started to rebuild and start to things were, were working out, that's when the relationship actually fell apart. Mm -hmm. Not when everything was going to pants, when everything was starting to, to come yeah. good, that's when it fell apart. Um, I don't want to tell the story for you, but... How did that impact 
Because those are big changes, right? We've got Johnny Big Socks corporate mm-hmm. or Jane yeah. Big Socks, whatever. It doesn't really work as a Jane. Mary Big Socks or whatever. And then we're like, okay, I've gone through this. I mean, was your husband aware of what was going on with yeah. you? Were you keeping it secret? So he was, so the only person I told was my mom and my husband. Mm-hmm. And both were fantastic to help mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, and I haven't, I didn't realize this until the last year or so. Unfortunately, going through, fortunately or unfortunately, which way where you want to look at it, when you go through such a complete and utter mental health challenge and you come out on the other side and you do the homework like I did of reading the 300 books mm-hmm. and you start rebuilding yourself rebuilding yourself not to the ideal as to what society has sold us to be mm-hmm. so and what i mean by that is we're told go to school get good grades work really hard mm-hmm. climb the corporate ladder make lots of money buy lots of stuff and then when you're 65 you might be allowed to have fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you stop subscribing to that and you drill deep down into what is your life of purpose and what makes you happy and what feeds your soul, all of a sudden, for me anyway, I became a completely different person. Mm. So I find that I'm not very good with a small talk or chit chat. I like to, I'm happy if you have a glass of red wine with me, sit up until three o'clock in the morning talking about the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. You know, tell me what keeps you up at night. Tell me what mm-hmm. inspires you. And I, I want to be in the deep stuff. I'm probably the one of the only people in the world that's never watched Game of Thrones or keeping up with the Kardashians or anything. Cause I just don't care for me. It's just, it's nonsense. It doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. And so I found that what I was doing is I was retreating from the external world and I started living in my own internal world. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I stopped, I started retreating from the superficiality in life. Mm-hmm. Didn't interest me anymore. I want to read about philosophy books. I started taking philosophy courses. I started taking mm-hmm. Harvard courses, learning about world religions. And so I was looking for my mind to be intellectually stimulated. Mm-hmm. in a different way than what we are told in society that we should be gravitating towards. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so unfortunately what that did is it left a gap between my husband and I, because he remained the same. And that's not a bad thing. He's the no. greatest guy ever. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's a really great person, but I found that we, our paths were now diverging mm-hmm. because of different interests in life. And he's remaining the same, which again is okay. That's okay. No shame in that. And then what I found was happening is because I was retreating internally I was becoming very lonely in the Mm. relationship. And again, that's not his fault. That's Mm -hmm. mine. And then as I'm finding, we're still enjoying life together. We're still traveling the world and having a great time, but I'm still feeling like there's a misalignment and I'm lonely. Mm -hmm. I found that I was in, I loved him, but was not in love with him. And Mm -hmm. then last year, and I felt that that exasperated my feelings because I'm a transplant. I'm a Canadian that's living in London. I'm now in lockdown. Mm-hmm. Much in common with the people that I used to surround myself with. Again, doesn't mean they're bad people, but it's just not aligned anymore. I don't have much in common with them anymore. But mm-hmm. now I'm not even allowed to leave the house because now mm-hmm. we're locked down. And mm-hmm. so. I then notice how lonely I become because my friends and family that I am really close to and we have similar alignments with are living in Canada or they live in Australia or they live in different places around the world and I can't go see them now. So I can't get that fix Mm -hmm. to nurture my soul. Mm -hmm. And 
last year was a very lonely year for me. And I didn't want to pull the plug on the marriage because I thought, well, he's a really great person. He's a, he's a great guy. He treats me really well. And maybe this is what marriage looks like. And we've been together 17 years. Mm. And I also don't have a framework of anybody who's left a marriage where nothing's wrong with it. Mm. I have friends that have left a marriage or a relationship where things have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't have a benchmark from anyone or any advice of how do you leave someone that you love, but you're not in love with because mm -hmm. you choose you. Mm. Finally, this year I thought I have to just do it. And so the 1st of March, I pulled the plug and that's when things went a bit pear-shaped because I lost mm -hmm. friends along the way because they think, again, why would you leave a great marriage and a great person? And so I'm kind of in a transition stage. But what I'd say to our listeners, if you're in an uncomfortable situation like that, where you pull the plug on everything you know, I've just walked away from my home, most of my assets, mm -hmm. I have for an easy life, I have... I don't want to say screwed myself, but I have for an easy life just said, keep most of it. Like just let mm -hmm. me out and mm -hmm. let me build my life. I'm 47, but I'm not scared to restart again. So for mm -hmm. an easy life, like let's just do the bare minimum to get out. Mm -hmm. It's a comfortable feeling, but it's also very empowering when you choose yourself. Mm. Very so brave. There's a bravery that's demanded to do that. And also uh, the ability to honor yourself, regardless of other people's narratives about what honoring yourself should look like. Yes. Like you said people would be like, well, he's a great guy, this and that, all the other things. Or it's like, yeah, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm not denying that, but I have to choose me and me need something else. And it's very hard to choose you because again, in society, we're not taught to choose ourselves. Mm. And so it can come across as selfish. And I've been told by many people, family included, that I am being selfish by choosing me. And mm. that's really hard to choose you while you're being told you're a bad person, you shouldn't do it and so forth. But again, if anybody who's listening is in that same situation, I'd say, just stay the course, stay mm. this course, because you will come out on the other side and people good people will come into your life who will accept your decision of choosing you. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. So we've come to California. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Have I blown your mind? This is when you, when you told me, oh yeah, I'm just not going to California. I'm like, what, when, when did the, when did the California thing happen? And then you're like, yeah, I'm going to stay. And you've got the plan back to but what would you say to people that are on the fence about taking big action? I mean, you're, you're a mindset coach, you're badass at what you do. Someone that's finding their mind is blocking them from making that step into just going out and doing it. You know, what would you say to them? I would say exactly what I did to myself is if time and money was not an issue, mm -hmm. what does your future look like? So for the last 18 months, I have been visualizing in my head Time and money was not an issue. Mm -hmm. What would I do? I have been visualizing Palm Springs. I have been visualizing. I took a picture of a vacant lot in a place called Old Las Palmas, which is the most she-she wealthy area of Palm Springs. I took a picture of a vacant lot a year ago, and I put it in a, in a lookbook I've got of everything that inspires me. I have been visualizing that house. I have been designing that house in my head that I'm going to build on that lot 
for almost 18 months. I've never seen a picture of this house, but I can, it, I basically, I feel as though if I can imagine it and I can mm -hmm. feel it, I will receive it. Mm -hmm. so that's what I would say to people is even if you don't have a clue where to start, mm -hmm. just pretend for a moment. Mm -hmm. Time and money is not an issue. And you could have anything you want in life. Mm -hmm. Visualize it and then visualize it every single day. And so then it becomes hardwired. At least it becomes mm -hmm. hardwired in my head. It becomes hardwired to the point that it's it's going to happen. Mm. It might not happen on the time frames that you want necessarily, but mm -hmm. it will happen. And that's mm -hmm. what I would say. That's what I have been doing. So I think to myself, it's not... It's not hard for me to imagine why I'm in Palm Springs because I've been visualizing that for 18 months. Okay, I'm, I haven't bought the vacant lot yet, but that will happen. But it didn't surprise me that when I left my relationship, I immediately headed here because I have been almost manifesting that to a degree for the last 18 months. Mm, 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 mm. It's just, uh, I think the old, the, the, the Richard Branson catchphrase, screw it, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I think to myself, tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Mm -hmm. And so it's scary. Absolutely. It's scary leaving a relationship. hundred percent. I've been with the same person for 17 years and it's a good relationship. And we had lots of assets and we had everything that life said that we should aspire for. And then to walk away from it. And to start again, especially at my age at 47, I'm not 20 trying to rebuild again. It's a scary feeling. But for me, it's scarier staying when you're not happy. Mm -hmm. So what's next on the adventure? We're still coaching. I want to speak about your coaching practice as well. Mm -hmm. um, you've got the podcast. Um, these are all mobile things. Yes. Um, I know you've got some secret missions to do yeah. with beautiful animals as well. We won't yes. spill the beans on that. We can come yeah. and talk about that once it's it's come to life. But um, what else is on the horizon? We've obviously got a, a house to build yeah. <laughs> in Palm Springs. So on the horizon for me is I want to become an active member of this community of Palm Springs because this is something that I notice of living in London. As you know, there's 7 million people and it's tough. It's tough making friends in, in London. <laughs> it's tough building a community. We're all transient. It's all, you're all in there, make your money and get the hell out. Basically. <laughs> you know, uh, I remember, uh, when I worked for this American fortune 100 company and they had cultural training on living with British people. And it made me laugh because they part of the cultural training is they said, so just so you know, when a British person invites you over for dinner, they don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> They've got that in the they've got that in the corporate training. Yeah, they've got it in the corporate training. When they say, Yeah, hey, you should come over and you know what you'd like to meet the family and all this, they don't actually mean it. It's just to be friendly, right? So <laughs> and it's true. It's I felt I was very lonely living in this big city mm -hmm. in London, and I don't want to feel like that again. So what I want to do in Palm Springs is I want to become an active member of this community find out about the charities that are going here. Mm -hmm. How can I be of service? How can I help? I want to live a life of service where I'm, yes, I'm coaching and I'm, I'm making good money, but equally I want to build a community where I feel as though people are looking after me and I'm looking after them. And I want to spend time living in the sunshine. I've in a previous, you know, up until now, I've been to 70 odd countries. I've traveled the world. I love to travel, but for the moment I feel as I'm happy to sit put. Mm -hmm. Well, when you've been to our countries, I, I was similar with, with when I came to Cabo, um, 
before here, I like I really loved. There's a there's an island um, in Thailand called Koh Phi Phi. Mm-hmm. Really quiet. There's no cars because it's so small. You can only use bikes and and foot. And I was like, oh, I I actually had intended. I was just going to go and park up there and, and and stay there. But then all of the work opportunities were in in the states. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm not going to go there then. And then I came here for three days and that turned yeah. to 10. It was exactly the same thing. It's like, oh, okay, I can actually be here all year round. Yeah. This is really weird for me. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want to dress up in those sexy shoes and handbags and, you know, no, when no London, sexy shoes for Claire. you know, when you're, in London, <laughs> you're, you're suited and booted all of the time and stuff, I'm like, no. Yeah. Tank top and and shorts, I'm good. But <laughs> it's been. <laughs> I want to go back to like the proverbial roots per se. Last weekend, I just went camping for two days up in Big Bear, mm-hmm. camping, sleeping under the stars, and I was like, oh, I'm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was the same. We had. Um, I I realized. In fact, it's my my wife Olga kind of pulled me up on it. I spent a fortune getting all of my clothes here. Because I had to like pay to get it shipped to the States and then effectively legally smuggled over the border down here. And I never wear any of my stuff. I just wear shorts. and. It's funny you say that. I've got 12 boxes in storage in London right now that I need to pull the trigger and have it shipped here. I can't remember what's in them. (laughs) (laughs) A month ago, I'm like, do I need any of this stuff? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy how how it works. And then... I'm really forcing myself now to like put a shirt on to come across. I've got, got an office now, so I don't work from home. Yeah. And I come, so I'm going to put some shoes and a, a shirt on just to do something different. Because I, I, I realized I was getting a bit, a bit lazy, but it is nice to just drop the stuff, wearing stuff because I'm not wearing this because I have to. I'm wearing it because I feel like wearing it at the moment. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's a very I, different I feel thing. as though, again, I've gone from in that whole discovering my life of purpose and and who I want to be and stuff, I realized that for the first 40 years of my life, effectively, I was playing dress up. Mm. Dress up in in society in terms of jobs and so forth, but dress up with the shoes, the handbags and all the, you know, the designer gear and so forth. And I realized, and I'd say this to anybody who's a lot younger than us or starting out a career is find your life of purpose and what makes you happy. You know, so for Mm. me, it's not the sexy shoes and handbags. I thought that's what made me happy, but actually I was just buying my feelings. Mm. Mm. I think they should be teaching this in school, really. Yeah, I was seeing another post about what they don't teach in school, and I think, yeah, this is definitely another one to to go onto the list. Yeah, absolutely. I want to dive into, as we start to wrap things up, I want to dive into the work that you do uh, with people. So the career started with the, you thought at the time, (laughs) corporate suicide (laughs) between that speaking engagement. And then you started, do you you predominantly work with people in the corporate world? What kind of people do you work work with? Uh, It's a mix. So usually what happens is I give a keynote speech, somebody in the audience or quite a few people in the audience will go, oh, I'm her, as in me. She can help me either one, leave the corporate world or help me change my mindset to actually be able to work in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of individuals will hire me or I had one you know, the other day where a corporate actually hired me to work with some of their employees as well. Oh. So these employees need management coaching or leadership coaching where they're just not happy in the, in the role, they're burnt out, they're exhausted and so forth. So they've hired me to deep dive into what's going on, mm. help them not become like me in the corporate world, crashing, mm. burning a type A personality, working every hour under the sun. So it's a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. 
individuals. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can imagine you wanting to sort of dive deep in with just real people and connect with real people. I love working with individuals because my favorite is when I see the light bulb moment and they mm-hmm. realize that they're worthy and deserving of a good life and we get rid of all the self-sabotaging behaviors and the limiting beliefs. I love that. And as far as I'm concerned, the second a client doesn't need me anymore means I've done my job well. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. It's been absolutely amazing um, hanging out today. Uh, we obviously had a nice chat before, a little gossy goss. Um, anything that you want to leave the listeners with before we sign off today? Just say to everybody that please remember that if you're going through anything that I've talked about on this podcast, please know that you're not alone because you can mm. feel very lonely going through a mental health challenge. You can feel very lonely going through a divorce mm. or whatever it may be. You're not alone. There's people like me that know what you're going through and we support you from afar. I wouldn't say that. And I would also want to say to everybody, do not limit the vision you have for yourself based on your current circumstances today. Mm. You are not stuck. Mm, 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 mm. You heard it here first, guys. You are not stuck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All the best with the adventure. I am going to, I'm going to, do a Facebook message to David okay. as soon as I hang up here to connect you with David. David and Michael, they're amazing. You'll love them. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we've got to stay in contact, stay in touch. Definitely. Thank you. I want to hear about the project as well. I want to hear all okay. the things about the project. Okay, cool. Awesome. Guys, you heard it here first. You are not stuck. Until next time, keep dreaming with your eyes open. Remember, you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, fulfilled, and non-burnout purpose-driven life. Bye for now. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.